What's up, Jays fans? Uh, Matt DeMarinas here from White and Blue Review, sitting here with uh, a fill-in John, John 2.0, or <laughs> maybe I just, my bad, Niatawa. It should be the other way, shouldn't yeah, it? Because, uh, because 2.0 infers a newer model. Right. I am old. Older model than Niatawa. I sure. am a much older model, so I'm like, yeah. I'm like uh, he would be, I don't know, he'd be like modern John. I'm like ancient John. I'm like yeah. antique John. You know what? But so whatever the opposite of 2.0 is. But he's not here and you are, so I'm going to stick with it. Okay. And uh, I'll just... Just call me I'll, an antique. I'll just deal with that later cool. with him if he has feelings about Yeah, what's the reason why he's skipping out on you? Is he just not... Yeah, so... He's not feeling it today? Or? I mean, I just think he's got, like, baby duty. And oh. anytime he, like, you know, because the breaking news, newborn Niatawa has arrived. Uh, Wait a minute. So when did this happen? Wednesday while they were smoking DePaul is when it happened. Simon Niatawa entered the world. I can't believe he didn't say anything. He sits right next to me here. He's just I, not. Oh, I feel terrible that I didn't say something. Oh, is that breaking news right now? To me? Oh, my bad. I did not know. I would have yeah, said something just, on the air on Wednesday night. He's just not like the type of dude who's like, well, that's cool. You know, you have to like bother him to get that stuff out of him. So I was like, I, was I know, like, but yeah. I like to, you know, mention. So Simon, you said? Simon Niatawa, yes. Like Little guy's cute. Um, I, I feel awful because, you know, normally, even even if he doesn't make it public, that kind of stuff just kind of, you know, it does trickles through the media. Yeah. And so you just... I had coaches and players feel, like... John, up. congratulations. <laughs> As a father of two, correct? Right? Uh, yeah. Three, actually. Three? Two are mine, and then I have my stepson who's, okay. who lives in New York. But yeah, I've nice. got... I got mine, and... Oh, I feel okay. Simon, welcome to the world. Right. You have entered the world since he's entered the world. The Jays are two and zero. Since the Jays are two and zero, since the end of the world, absolutely, he has a streak going. Ballot S- bombs are flying. S- Simon does not know a world where the Jays have lost. No, I think I'm gonna tell Mitch that he's shooting sixty percent since John had his son. So we'll continue, we'll attribute that streak to that. Yeah, just like all the kids who have been born in what the last eleven years have only known a world where the Cubs are a good baseball team and the Yankees aren't. <laughs> he, yeah, he just missed. He just missed it. <laughs> Get, there's my one yeah. dig at the Yankees because no, it's, it's going to be a good decade. It's, for all, it's all good. Yeah, I feel like a good decade's coming, especially with every single team cheating their butts off to, <laughs> to just stay ahead of them barely. Amen. Um, if you don't know by now, if you're un, for the uninitiated, uh, that is the Creighton play-by-play voice, John Bishop, filling in today for Mr. Niatawa as he um, tries his best to um, fit his stories on deadline and get home to um, Mrs. Niatawa and the little guy. Mm-hmm. Um, John, first of all, I appreciate you filling in. You're welcome. Thank you for sticking around. I, uh, and, and I'm glad your voice is still in good health is, after a full game of, you know. It is. It's not bad. You know, it wasn't like wasn't like the Providence game where there was a lot more, you know, shouting at the end there. But, uh, I, no, I'm, I'm glad to do this because I think um, what you do and everyone that works at White and Blue, you guys are so good um, for, for being – you know, homegrown. It's not like you're not, you're not a rivals. No, you're not we don't. You know, all those. We don't other, have the Warren Buffett backing. You don't have the yeah. Warren Buffett backing, and and just for the people, I'm sure most of you who listen and read White and Blue know how hard Matt works. But you don't. I don't. I don't think you can appreciate how hard Matt works. I mean, this is it, it is a credit for a team that deserves more. Quite honestly, in terms of its coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys provide stuff that no one else does. The um, the pregame primers are, limits, shout are, out. are must reads for me. Mm-hmm. I read them before every game. I am I feel empty without them. And of course, all your coverage—not just the basketball. Obviously, we're all yeah. here because of basketball, but women's basketball, 
baseball, softball, all the women's sports. Uh, so it, it's it's I, I'm I'm honored to do it because uh, oh, wow. I think White and Blue Review is a badly needed publication. I call it publication. I know it's on the internet, but it's it's a badly needed service in this community, and you guys do an awesome job. Thank you, sir. You're also, welcome. Much appreciated. Here's what I'm going to do for you right now, and not to. I hope this isn't too much of a curveball because you are definitely multifaceted. <laughs> but in your line of work, um, you're often the lead man. I'm going to make you an analyst today. Okay. So I'm going to just throw it right at you. That's fine. Your initial reactions from Creighton's 77-66 win over Xavier, completing the sweep of the Musketeers on Pink Out Day. An emotional day for a multitude of reasons yes. that we'll get into, obviously. But just your initial reaction over you know, the performance itself and... And what Creighton did today? It was. A, I knew it was going to be a different game than the first game, even though the result is pretty much the same. I mean, the margin of victory is the same, but I, but I had. I Score knew, is almost the same. Yeah, yeah. But I knew it was going to be a different feel to this one because when they have Quentin Gooden, they play a little differently. They're a little more up tempo. Not that they're fast, fast as the Jays can be, but sure. Because they went to the to the four forward lineup, you knew this was going to be Creighton trying to sprint to the other end and get things early. And Xavier trying to grind it down, muck it up, crash the boards. And, and literally, I mean, you look at this box score, and it, 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 it's, exactly what, it's exactly what happened. I mean, you get beat on the boards by 17. You get, you, you, you're minus 12 in offensive boards. Xavier had a 55% I offensive rebounding rate in the first half. That's, that's goofy. I've, that's that goofy, stupid, and they were losing, and they never yeah. led. And they were losing, yes. And, and like, they never Xavier, led. And Creighton was in control from the scoreboard perspective. That yeah, is it was unbelievable it to was, have a mark that high. It was a one-possession game at 4-1, to one, and that was as close as it got for the rest of the game, yeah. and you were out-rebounded that badly. But I think the key was you get the 19 offensive boards, and I kind of have, in my mind anyway, if you can if you can keep the ratio of rebounds to second-chance points sure. at 1-1, one to one, or so you, you, and if you like think that about that efficiency metric a lot. It's yeah. about opportunities. As yeah, well. because if it's yeah. one to one or less, then even though you're giving up the offensive boards, which means that's less running opportunities, it still hurts. But it doesn't hurt as bad. And so, what did I have? I've got now. This is this is before the game. So Creighton coming into today, this is their 19th straight game where they've been outboarded on the offensive glass. Okay. You go all the way back to that Michigan game. Remember how goofy that Michigan game yeah, was? Yeah, they had 18 offensive rebounds. They had 18 yeah. offensive rebounds yeah. and lost. It was like Providence out there. For, yeah, you know. and, and it was at that moment I thought, well, maybe this team's not going to be so challenged as I thought mm-hmm. on the glass. Well, nope. ever since then, <laughs> they've been outboarded on the offensive glass now in 19 straight games. So... That minus 10, they're going to be minus 61 now for the season in second chance points, mm-hmm. um, which isn't great. But when you look at the other specialty stats, and this is where it goes to Creighton's side, fast break points, 14 nothing. I just found out today from Wilbur, Will, Will Delashment, who, uh, who runs social media for us, the, the, the statistical system that we use here, three-pointers don't count as fast break points. Ever? Uh, according to... Their the the program they use that which pumps called, out these numbers, which is called genius, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only way it counts as a fast break point is layups and dunks. Really, I did not know that. I didn't either. That's so awful. It is because yeah. I got to imagine that that number is probably like. I mean, I I'm thinking they had at least two or three threes today yeah. that were fast break. I'll have to talk to Rob Anderson about this because they're right now not to get too far in the weeds, but they're starting to transition to this newer, 
box score system like the one that Xavier and a lot of other schools use. Uh -huh. But I think that's one of the things in the program. So even though it was 14 nothing fast break points, it was probably worse than that. Mm -hmm. So that really kind of offsets. So the game went exactly the way we thought. But I thought there were key moments where Creighton defended really well. I thought, to me, one of the biggest stats of the game was in the first game, Marshall and Scruggs <coughs> combined for 40 points. Yep. Well, today, Marshall, Scruggs, and Tyreek Jones combined for 29 points. Mm -hmm. And Mac told me before the game on our radio pregame show that, I mean, if Marshall and Scruggs do what they did in Cincinnati to us again today, we're probably not going to win. Well, they obviously didn't, and then you throw Jones into the mix, and even though he had a double-double, I mean, he still only had 11 points. So all those offensive rebounds, yet, and he had eight of them, mm -hmm. but... He missed a lot of shots at the rim. Absolutely, a lot of shots at the rim, and and I thought that was that was huge. I think one, a couple areas of counterbalance too for when you look at the way Xavier dominated the offensive boards, and then obviously just getting eighteen second chance points in a game is big. That's a lot of second opportunities. It's a it lot is. of a lot of a lot of long possessions that get converted into buckets that can be deflating. But I felt like the fact that Creighton. Uh, was able to get to the free throw line pretty consistently throughout the whole game. They attacked downhill um, early and often uh, and did a good job of jump stopping and not necessarily challenging uh, length, but they, you know, shot faked a lot. They set their feet a lot. Uh -huh. um, they got uh, Xavier's defense in rotations. And then the other fact that they turned Xavier over 15 times and converted those into 17 points. Like, yeah, Creighton got killed in the offensive rebounding category. But they beat Xavier everywhere else. Yes. Like, that was that was big. That was the reason they were in control of the game the entire time. And, you know, it really only got – it really only teetered late when Xavier scored, I think, on seven straight possessions. It was 11-0 run. Yeah. It was up – they were And up it cut it to six, right? Yeah, they got it to six. Yeah. And then – and I thought – I thought Denzel played – was huge down the stretch. Denzel was big in the first half because they got him in some mismatches against Jones. Yeah. And that's where Jones picked up a couple of his fouls, and that's why Denzel had ten in the first half. And then he came down, he got the two free throws first, mm -hmm. and then Xavier scored, and then came back again, and Denzel had that tough little turnaround inside the paint. Um, and that was when Xavier's zone had been pretty effective yes. for a couple possessions, yes. too. So, so and, those were big so buckets. You get that, and then you finally get a stop, and then come back down the floor, and Mitch hit the three mm -hmm. in the left corner. And all of a sudden, you know, it goes from six back to 11. And from there, you thought, okay, everything's fine. Because, I mean, we've seen it in this building. Xavier's come back. And, 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 and you kind of had that moment of, oh, God, here we go again. But I thought Denzel was huge down the stretch. And, and it was awful cool to see Mitch do what he did today, knowing that he had to be, you know, heavy heart because he, he wears 24 yep. for Kobe. And uh, and I thought that that first one he hit from the C logo at midcourt is just like, oh my god! Tell, tip to Kelvin Jones on that one. Two off yes, the board on that play. Yeah. yeah, and then he finds Mitch. Yeah, you know that's the interesting thing too, Matt. Even though you know we emphasize the nineteen to seven, and I'm trying to think back, I've got all the box scores here. So pardon my shuffling of papers, but um, offensive rebounds against DePaul. They had uh, they were out rebounded twelve to I don't, or, no yeah twelve to nine. Mm -hmm. 
it seems though that Creighton has been able to do more. And I'm going to have to look this up. More efficient with their second. They've been more efficient with theirs yeah. than the other team has been with theirs. I'm picking up. I'm picking and up. so if you can do, if you can continue to do that, because listen, this is going to be a thing for the whole year. Yeah. This isn't changing. No. You know, there isn't uh, a seven footer. Jacob Epperson ain't coming out of that Not, tunnel yeah. anytime. Well, he's coming out of the tunnel, but he's going to sit at the bench. <laughs> So if you can, can at least continue, and I'll do some of the math because, you know, we have a few extra days off, but I'll be curious to see our percentage of points off of our boards versus the percentage of points off theirs, and I'll bet you Creighton is winning. And if that's the case, that would explain a lot because it just seems to me that we're making more of an impact by our second chance than the opponents are on theirs. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. Denzel Mahoney. It's been pretty consistent off the bench in terms of just providing that consistent, you know what you're kind of... He's, I think you can almost kind of peg him in for a certain number because he's been pretty consistent in terms of how much he attacks and how efficient he's been with converting um, and trying to score at all three levels and get to the free throw line. Like, what have you seen out of him, especially after that those first couple games where it seemed like he was maybe forcing the issue a little bit too much and trying to find his flow within this Yeah, offense. it looked like he was hunting a little yep. early. And, yeah, you look back now... So here's his last five games. 13 against Xavier, 19 against Georgetown, 14 against Providence, 14 against DePaul, and he has 14 today. Yeah. I mean, very consistent. very consistent. And he has been able to, I can remember, first half against Georgetown, first half today, where he put his fingerprints on the game early. Mm either hitting a couple of shots early or doing work in the post. I thought he was really good defensively in the post against DePaul, um, another team that obviously <coughs> you know has a size advantage. I think his, his acceptance of his role having to play a five-man a lot of times has allowed him to kind of work more into the offensive flow mm -hmm. because – this team, more so than any team I can remember covering at Creighton, defense is turning into offense now. We, we, didn't, we used to not see that. You know, it used to be just offense, offense, offense. We're just going to outscore you. But I think the way they've played defense this year and Mahoney having to do the things he's done, especially at a, at a five-man, has helped him because now he realizes how important every possession is. And I don't think he's shot hunting anymore. Mm. You know, the shot he hit, like we talked about earlier, that's a shot that he makes. He practices that all the time. It wasn't one where, you know, he's just trying to force something up. He's now playing with a little more confidence, and and that's huge. And and you can kind of just see it on his face. He, he feels like he's now more part of this team, and, and he's going to be important. I mean, for a oh, team that's yeah. as undersized as he are – he twice drew fouls <coughs> on Tyreek Jones in a mismatch. Yeah, baseline he's got, drive shot fake. He's yep. got to do that. Got he's got to do that. And, you know, he's so big and he's so strong and that even though he's only 6'5", and doesn't really have bounce. Like, he's not. He, no, he's not, not like an above the rim base, player. Yeah, he's not going to go punch on anybody, but no. he does. He is really good at using that size and finishing strong. So I, I, I actually think his defensive effort has actually helped him mm -hmm. on the offensive side. And, yeah, the shooting percentages, let's see, what was he today? He was um, – One of four from three. Okay, but, four for seven. Yeah. I mean, he's been, he's been 44, 44%, 46%, 43%, 44%. Today he's above 50. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's kind of where his sweet spot is. Yeah. 
he doesn't have to do like he did at SEMO and have to go out and, you know, hustle Shoot. up 20 points. He didn't have to do that because yeah. he's got shooters all around him. So now he can play, you know, a different style of game, and I think he's starting to warm to it. Mm. And, and you know, if he's, if he's going to give you 14 points a night, you know that one of the big three are going to get, you know, their 18 to 20. Well, especially if he's giving you 14, right? Yes. That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tyshawn Alexander, I feel like – I just feel like there's – you know, it's I don't know if people are fighting it or if it's just like it's Creighton, so they hesitate to give credit to def- a, def- a defensive effort. Um, and the Big East, uh, I can't remember Sean Brennan. I think wrote a piece about the Big East lockdown defenders and and whatnot. And and Tyshawn was omitted despite the fact that I think he deserves to be given credit for it. But like his two way performance tonight, I mean, twenty four points, no turnovers in thirty eight minutes while guarding Scruggs and mm-hmm. Marshall. Um, and you look at how inefficient they were. I mean, on, on just a live watch, I don't think they scored on him hardly ever. Um, and they turned the ball over four times, so that's more than he had because he had zero. So Yeah, I mean, Scruggs is two for eight and Marshall's seven of 17. Yeah, so like I think that I think his two-way effort was huge tonight, yes. and I think it's been huge all season. Um, you know, well, was, Why don't you think, I guess, what do you think is, how, how important is it to have a guy that can be as efficient as he was offensively because i mean he he was five of 15 but he also was 10 of 11 at the free throw line so he was aggressive well he didn't turn the ball over but the the fact that he can also do that on the offensive end and still also be uh you know do uh, execute the game plan and take on the best offensive assignment on defense well you got to figure so 11 free throws a lot of those came you know in shot situations so that's probably what five more field goal attempts. Some sure. of those probably would have go, go in. Um, I know Mac was telling us when Denzel first started, he said, I'll bet you anything that by the end of the season, Denzel will have more the most free throw attempts on the team. Mm. Ain't going to happen. No. And it's because of Tyshawn. Right. I mean, this is the second game in a row now that Tyshawn's been to the line double-digit times, and that's, that's big because you've got to have somebody that can, you know, make that kind of effort. So, yeah, 9-12 against DePaul and 10 of 11 today, and he's been to the foul line now at least six times in four out of the last five games. And that doesn't sound like a ton, but for Creighton, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I think this team's done a better job of getting to the foul line than we've seen in a while. (coughs) Because Creighton just doesn't – it's usually not a team that draws a lot of fouls. Mm -hmm. But unlike – and we used to complain about this all the time when Mar- Marcus Foster was here was, you know, Marcus should have gotten to the line a lot more than he did, but because he was physical. Yeah, he absorbed he contact he better, too. He too absorbed well. contact very well, and he didn't get the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, Marcus and Tyshawn, Mitch, they're not, as, they're not built and don't absorb contact like Foster used to, so they, they have the ability, if they get into the paint, to, to get more foul shots. But... On Tyshawn's defense, because that's where you were going with this, mm-hmm. um, I think it's impressive that a team that lost its arguably its best on-ball defender when Davion injured his ankle, right? Somebody had to step up, and while you're not gonna, you know, a Kyrie Thomas comes around once every, you know. 20 years. Yeah. I mean, his, that his, length, his, his length, his athleticism, his attitude about it, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. For Tyshawn to go from a guy who, I got to, you know, I'm going to get my 18 a night yeah. and to be a volume shooter to accept that role 
I still say his performance against Marcus Howard was one of the most impressive things. I, I don't In the biggies all season. Right? Yes, exactly. Like, look what I mean, that dude's done yeah. since. Yeah, you guys, you you and John and the others who cover, you know, you can see the game more broadly because when I'm calling the game, I'm always having to be on the ball because mm-hmm. that's where the action is. That's my job is to call where the ball is. Even then, it was just so glaringly noticeable, right? Because naturally, your eyes are going to follow Howard anyway. Right. And it, it was like, I, and I told Tyshawn this on the post game. I said it was like watching my dog Wrigley when she Chase goes to the dog park, <laughs> where she's always chasing other dogs, and other dogs are chasing her. And it was like it was like watching that, mm-hmm. and you were just, and he was so on it, and and he is just, he's really accepted this role as being a good on ball defender, and has taken pride in it. And that's a that's a important step for a guy who came here to be a scorer. And has played most of his career trying to be a scorer to also take on that role. And I think that's a credit to Tyshawn and his attitude. I know he had the moment a week or so ago, you know, where he was a little down after the Georgetown game and mm-hmm. Mac, Mac, and he had a heart-to-heart. Um, I, I can't tell you how impressed I am about Tyshawn accepting that. And he's being rewarded now. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. you know, 24 points in the last two home games. Absolutely. Um, let's see. What else should we touch on? You know what? I, I don't know if we got any questions about this, so I apologize. We'll get into questions in a second, but uh, I want to touch on the Kobe thing because that thing took on. I mean, it's it's one of those, and Mac talked about it. It's one of those icons of the game that the world does stop mm-hmm. when news like that happens. Yes, and I and I, and honestly, I, I came from the women's game. I did the post game there, and Flan talked about it too. So like, it it's not just you know, NBA. It's not just men's basketball. I feel like it's all sports for one, but also like his Kobe's impact on like growing the women's game too. It's got a profound impact on the players who were on the court. They didn't find out about it till after the game, but you can clearly tell it hit everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, so, like, I, you, the the idea that he was flying with his daughter yeah. to go to one of her games tells you a lot about you know how much it, basketball meant to him. And I, I was genuinely concerned because I knew that the players knew because, you know, when they do their stretching out here at midcourt, Marcus Zagorowski looked over at me and said, can you believe it? Mm-hmm. So I knew that he knew. And so naturally, you know, it's going to trickle through the locker room. And I thought it was handled pretty well today. Mac told us, you know, after the game that, um, you know, he wanted to address it, obviously, and say, you know, there's no... I'm paraphrasing. There's no greater competitor in our in our time than Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, it was all about competing. Mm-hmm. He, there was no such thing as uh, a night off for him. He was all about winning. So what you guys need to do is to honor his memory by competing mm-hmm. as he would want to, as he would compete. And and obviously you saw that today, and you're probably going to see that across all of basketball. But you're right. I mean, this is this is one of the this is one of the great champions in you know in the post Jordan era. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is like the champion. I know LeBron obviously gets a lot of the attention, and rightfully so, because he's the best player in the game. But but Kobe was one of the first ones to take up the mantle. You know, the NBA has been very blessed to. Because you remember what it was like when MJ was retiring for good when the when they yeah. when they sent him off 
in his, you know, Wizards uniform, the All-Star break. Like, there was a lot of, like, a lot of columns about what is Where are we the post-NBA go world without yeah. Michael Jordan, like, and, when, you know, because now that's definitively over. And I think there were some people, and now this is coming from someone, I don't watch the league as much as others do. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge pro basketball guy. So, at times, Kobe, to me, represented the kind of the me-first mentality of the game. And I didn't appreciate in the moment his competitive nature. I mean, there was always the oh, ball's going to go to Kobe. He ain't passing. He's going to he's, he's uh-huh. put up his shots. But, but it was born out of a desire to. But it was a born win. out of a desire he, of I'm yeah. the best shot maker on this floor, right. and who else who else is going to shoot this? Sure. I'm going to shoot this. Right. And so and and so you can you can kind of get caught in a misconception of of who he is. Um, but he was he was the first guy to really take the baton from MJ and and be the champion and you know be the alpha dog be the alpha dog put up the records i mean the fact that the guy goes out in his last game and yeah. scores 60 right 60 i remember asking zierden about that cuz he was a big kobe fan back in uh, when he was playing here uh and i remember asking him about kobe's final game and, and dropping 60 and he's just like he just, it's just like how else would he go out right you know what i mean i mean that's who he was yeah. but but i think the fact that nick ba and I were talking before the game, and the, he he was always concerned that Kobe would not handle life after basketball very well mm-hmm. because he was such a great competitor. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been kind of a, a model. Kobe was a model. I hate talking about him in the past tense, but unfortunately it's what it is. Mm-hmm. He was a model for, you know, hey, I'm, I'm putting the game down now. I'm, 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 this part of my life is done and he kind of, you know, faded into the background, but he was always a good ambassador for the game. And, you know, his final tweet, you know, goes out to LeBron last night to congratulate him on passing him on the all time scoring list. So obviously it still meant a lot to him. And and that's, you know, and the tweet itself told you about what Kobe's post basketball life is about. Yeah. Because it was about I'm cool with this. It was about the game moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And, here, and, it's yeah. your turn now. Right, right. You know, even though LeBron's yeah. getting up there in yeah. age. But you know he does. In other ways it's a really poetic final Very. tweet for him to have. And and it's you know and, I mean? and, it, and that's why it's you know it's one of the reasons why it's so sad is because you wonder you wonder what more the future influence. would have been. You know, mm-hmm. how much more of a future. Because as we were talking on our pregame show when we talked Josh Dotes on I Every guy on this floor tonight grew up, Kobe was the man. Yes. You know, when I was growing up, it was Magic Johnson. It was Larry Bird. Right. And for, like, the generation in between, it was MJ. Well, for this generation, Kobe was like the, oh, he's the legend. Mm -hmm. He's like the godlike figure. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I can only imagine. And, And young people, I think, process tragedy so much more differently than we do. Yeah, um, I think it's just and, the world so, spins faster. It does. I mean? it, it doesn't does give you fast. much time to reflect. No, it really yeah. doesn't. And so, you know, I'm sure it'll weigh heavily on the guys' minds, you know, as all of the, you know, circumstances of winning the game today and the pink-out game and mm-hmm. being so focused on, you know, doing all those things. Once they get home, it'll probably kind of hit them harder. But, uh, yeah, this is a, this, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible loss. And he was. He was a great American sportsman. 
and it's not just an NBA thing. It's a it's a it's a universal sports thing because mm-hmm. NBA is a is a worldly game. Yes, now. It's, no, it's, no, it's, it's, about it's, it. it's it, of all the and games. Kobe helped make it that way, and, and Kobe did that. He mm-hmm. made you know. There's a lot of people. Well, Kobe Paris, yeah, who you know played here for a year, wore the number and had the name mm-hmm. because of Kobe Bryant. He's from New Zealand, mm-hmm. so right, right, New Zealand was that right? No, no, uh, Australia, Australia. Yeah. No, no, wait, no, it's not Australia. It's uh, Philippines. Philippines. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Jeez, I I knew I knew yeah, it was. Yeah. I knew it was in the southern hemisphere. <laughs> sorry, Kobe. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I did a CNN bit one time about Kobe Paris on the, for CNN Philippines, and I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. So, How anyway. good is he? I mean, he's a true freshman. He's a, he's a freshman. We have no idea. Yeah, no, no clue. But, but How's yeah. he doing out there? He likes it. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, uh, rest in peace, Kobe, and mm-hmm. uh, it'll, be a, it'll be a very sad week in basketball for sure. Um, I want to close with the pink out. Um, let's jump into questions first. Um, I, the reason I want to close with a pink out is because I feel like it's going to be hard to divert back to basketball after sure. that, and and I know that this day is pretty emotional for a lot of people, but um, I think we have some we have a couple of good stories to tell about it. So let's let's jump let's let's halt that for a moment. Let's halt get into the, get into your questions, and then we'll come back to the pink out because on a day where we did lose a sporting icon. Um, we already came into the state knowing that it was bigger than basketball, so mm-hmm. um, we'll return to that uh, narrative as we close. Um, our first question comes to us from Darren Bedreau, who finally changed his name. Yeah, his what's up with name. that? That's his actual name. That's his real name. He's been going with the Patrick Marshall thing for far too long, and well, I have to the, read it. What is the reason for that, by the way? I'm not sure. They like A lot of the guys at White and Blue Review wanted to do pen name things, and... What would your pen name have been? I, I couldn't even like tell you what it would have been. Alfonso Soriano. Because they were just like, you want a pen name? I was like, I don't think so, but I'll think of one and see what we got. And then I was just like, Captain America. Yeah, let me just roll with this. I think it's gonna be weird if like, you know, how about the Flash? If Alphonse, you know, De Marino is like <laughs> De Marino is like reporting on women, <laughs> reporting on women's soccer in the fall, and it's like, who is this fool? You, like, you, like I tell, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you guys do such great work. Your your real name should be out. There. I think so too. Your real Tom name- Nemes is finally getting his real. Like he's got the pre. I think he calls it the Polyfro Primo, but like he's Primer, but he's dropped the Polyfro. Like part of his life, and yeah, he's starting you, to embrace the time. You guys Honestly, should be proud of your work. work stand so behind good, your like real that, names. Yes. The all decade video, like put your real name oh, on. Oh, that. by the way, that stuff made the gut rounds the the best of the decade video. That is, I don't know how you got some of the highlights because I, I never. Tom said, is crazy. Tom guy. is really good at he's, that. He's but a magician. I was, I was, I felt very honored to to be heard in a lot of those highlights. Can uh, you believe it's been a decade of doing that? Isn't that wild? Like, well, uh, yeah, it's not been a decade for me. I'm, this is my seventh getting year. Getting close though. It like, is seventh a, year. I mean, when you this think about the most year. prominent memories of the decade, your voice is on a lot of those. It right? is, it is. But you know, there's a lot of credit. You know, uh, you know, T. Scott gets a lot of credit too because yeah. he was a great, great voice of the Jays. But um, yeah, that was a well done video. I mean, that made the rounds. A oh, lot of people yeah. inside the program were like, "Did you see this?" You he's see this? he's a this? superstar. Every time people come up and like. Uh, like thank me and say like oh you do such a great job for white and blue people like he doesn't even know like the goat is like sitting out there in like the shadows like pumping out primers and videos mm-hmm. and highlight reels like I just I just do the grunt work like he's the man <laughs> but yeah he's finally embracing his name and so is Darren Bedreau finally I think it's because his son committed to uh, uh, Doan to play soccer okay so he's like he's like you know what it's fine I, I have to grow up now and drop the pen I have to be so. real yeah I have to be real, real a real a real person anyways question uh yeah sorry uh he's like do you think the coaches acted spoke or did anything differently knowing they were mic'd up for fs1 all access or you know can they concentrate fully on doing their normal coaching job um 
and then adding coaches versus cancer and Kobe news. We already talked about that a little bit. We'll, we'll get the coaches versus cancer stuff toward the end. Um, but yeah, what did you what did you think in terms of how the coaches behaved with the all access? Because it is literally all the, the it whole was game. all of it. Yeah. yeah. Now I didn't see it obviously because I was calling the game on radio, but I know that it weighed heavily on Max' mind. Yep. From a strategic Be- standpoint, because yes. because it is a big deal. You know, one of the things <laughs> that all teams do is they're trying to figure out okay, what what does this play mean? What does this play mean? And they're trying to get as many verbal and nonverbal cues as they can for certain sets. Mm-hmm. And Mac, I think I don't think there is a coach or a system in the Big East that probably is more respected than Creighton's offensive system. Mm-hmm. And for them to be able to hide as much of their calls as possible, I mean, Mac was talking about, and I don't know eventually how he did it, um, but he was talking about maybe having Al Huss yell in the plays, or yeah, he other- had he had a system with with Huss where he would tell Huss the play to call, and right. Huss would call the play. Right. So, yeah, so that's that, how I mean, they that, it. it took them out of that. Element. It was funny because in the days leading up, he was he was the the producers were around and they were trying to like get everybody a good feel for how it was going to be, and and Mac told him uh, I can't remember the producer's name now, and I apologize because he's a great guy, but Mac told him he's like, look, um, how much. I make you use the dump button depends on how much you use it for my right. play calls. Oh, I suggest. I He's told like, him so, about- so I'm either going to say the name of the play and you're going to make sure it doesn't get caught on the live feed. Right. Or I'm going to curse right before it. Oh, I even And you're going to have to use the drop button. Yeah, anyway. I told him that. I said, you should change, literally change all your plays to swear words. To expletives? Yes. Like, <laughs> right. you know, whatever zipper one is, yeah. is now, you know, I can't, I, I don't want to say because this is a family podcast. But Absolutely. yes, I would have made every play call the most inappropriate thing in the world. But then Mac <laughs> told me, but then I'd have to tell my dad yep. to turn the TV down <laughs> because I don't want my mom hearing what I had to say. So I did see something on Twitter um, during timeouts that apparently, you know, when Travis Steele would call out a play, Mac was, it was almost like Mac was listening because Mac would, would, would know what play was coming mm-hmm. and would call out the same thing. I, I believe that happened a couple of times. But it just goes to show you how much, in, how much scouting happens. Oh, it's, because it's, when these games... And for Creighton, it's serious. Like it is. They're scouting... Oh, their their scouting is because is they're often intense. they're often outmatched from a physicality standpoint. Yes, they make up for it in their details. Oh, yeah, the yeah. details, the scouting plan details. Uh, it, it's impressive to watch um, when I'm, especially I see it on the road because right. obviously I, I'm not around the team as much at home, but uh, on the road, yeah, you see the attention to detail. So I knew they were kind of sweating this one out, and uh, I, for the most part, it sounds like they handled it pretty well. Um, now watch. We'll find out next week that you know Jay Wright <laughs> figured out something. Seriously, Villanova is going to smoke us again. If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think I, I think for the most part they handled it well. There is a good story though because Mac has been resisting this for the last three years. Yeah, big time. Yeah, he told us on Friday because he came out to our show remote at Hope Lodge, which is the cancer uh, American Cancer Society um, retreat where the cancer patients can stay with their families while they're having treatment. That's where all the money for this Creighton versus cancer has gone to. And he told us, I wasn't going to do this without ever. I'll scratch yeah, you. Yeah. scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. <laughs> so he wants to take his dad, because they grew up 
10 miles away from Field of Dreams. The Yankees are playing in the Field of Dreams game against uh-huh. the White Sox. Even though that's an ESPN event, a Sunday night baseball event, he knows that Fox, because they have the main contract with Major League Baseball, probably has some tickets. So Mac, Mac said, I'll do this, but you got to get me tickets so I can take my dad to this oh game. Oh, my God. That's pretty impressive. I, now, he says he doesn't have the tickets yet, but um, hopefully they, they pay because him back. Because he told me years ago, I think I, was, I, think I texted him during the Cooley-Lado uh, game. Yes. I was like, what would it take for you to ever even consider this? And he's like, I would never... Never, never, no. never in a million years. Will they I do have been that. pressuring him because they want everyone to do it at least once. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's only the second year for the men's, right? I think this is the third year. So who did it? Oh yeah, Laval Jordan and uh, Kevin Moore did it last year. Yes, yes, yes yeah, yes. Laval and Kevin okay. did it last year. On the women's side, Flan and Bazella have done it once, but normally it's Bazella and um, I can't think of his name, Joe Tardimella from St. John's. Okay. Which is hilarious to me because those are the two coaches most likely to curse throughout the 40 <laughs> exactly. minutes. It's like you mic'd up those two every year. Yeah. Um, so anyway, if, if Mac once, gets yeah. to go to the Field of Dreams game, you wow. know why. Because he was able to get Fox to relent and you know that's, give up a couple of tickets. That's so an I, impressive negotiation. I hope, I hope he does get to go because that would be special. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Especially with his dad. Especially um, to watch the White Sox win. No doubt. <laughs> Man, I'm worried about the White Sox too because they've got uh, I'm a bunch of good Sox. Cubs players yes, they, that are coming. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, yeah they're going to take over the city. There's my there's my counter punch yeah. right there. Um, Bill Grennan wants to know, and I apologize if I say some of these last names right. Um, he wants to know expectations and biggest challenges over the next three games for Creighton. So that is, well, they've closed out the month of January today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've won four out of five, three straight. Um, but to start February, they go at Villanova, at Providence, which is going to be a road trip that just like Xavier Georgetown, we're yeah, going to stay out there. Yeah, we're staying out there. Yep. Um, and then back home to face St. John's for the first time this year. Yep. And then at Seton Hall. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So the question is. Is he asking is, three games or four? Yeah, he's asking three. So the expectations. <laughs> I was going to say four. Cause <laughs> guess what? You got the first place team in the fourth one. Yeah, coming up we'll next. Stay, we'll stay with the respect, the honor of the yeah. question. Expectations and biggest challenges over the next three. At Villanova, at Providence, home against St. John's. Well, I mean, we all know what the challenges are at Villanova <laughs> is, um, you know, it's Villanova. It's like a battle and of efficiency between Creighton and Villanova, right? It is. Because Villanova's going to control the pace because yeah. Jay Wright is a master at doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, he rarely ever gets into a game that they're not in. Right. They're, they're not dictating terms. So it's about execution. It is. Right. And that's, just, and, that's, and, and that's what really is frustrating is I thought the Jays did everything they needed to do. I mean, they held them to under 20% from three. It's just, you know, they hit two massive threes at the end when they needed them the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... So obviously that game's going to be with its own challenges. I think the Jays just they have to make shots. They're going to have to make shots. They're going to have to try to do what they did today under different circumstances and that is when they can push the tempo, you know, get the ball down the floor, get shots up early, make them try to score in transition. The problem is that Villanova is so dang disciplined yep. that it's hard to do that. So the good news is it'll probably be a low-possession game, which means it'll be close. So if the Jays can be highly efficient, Mm -hmm. that will benefit them. Um, But that's easier said than done against Villanova. Providence, the thing about Providence that worries me is we all saw what happened here. They're going to have Reeves, which Mm -hmm. they they did not have in the first game. I don't think David Duke, who (laughs) – 
watching that game yesterday, David Duke missed every shot that he made against us. So I'm guessing that the real David Duke is somewhere in the in middle. In between, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's always been a tough place to play. So, and St. John's, St. John's, you know, they're, they're, they're really aggressive. They're going to try to turn you over a lot. They're going to 94 feet you. That will be an interesting matchup. I think, I mean, obviously, I think Creighton can win that game, but St. John's is going to try to speed you up. Mm-hmm. And even for a team like Creighton that likes to play I think fast, both sometimes those games you can are get be sped. super fun because. Oh, yeah. It will. St. John's wants as many possessions as possible. Sure. And so does Creighton. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, expectations, I mean, God, I. I hate to I hate to say it's so hard to win on the road in this league. It like, is very hard, and you're talking about the two places that have been the hardest to win yes. for Creighton. Yeah. I mean, they've won one time at Villanova, they've won two times at Providence. Right. Um, so you'd love to be able to say you could at least split one of those, and then obviously defend home court. But the good news is, with this winning streak and what has happened in the league, you're now all alone in third place. Yeah. And if you can finish if upper you can division, keep your head above water. You keep your head above water in this league. You're that means play tournament team. you're probably going to be well. Yeah. yeah, you're definitely a tournament team, but I think you probably you know you can be a, 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 a six seed or above. Okay. If you stay in the upper division, yeah. so if, yeah. you know with Creighton's non-con, you know Arizona State got the big win last night. Um, I know Michigan slid back. I know Texas Tech lost, but you know. There's a lot of goodwill in the bank, mm-hmm. and this league's going to provide you with more goodwill. Absolutely. Um, next question is from – oh, it's, it's for you. It's from a guy named Kevin Cugler. Oh, Cugler? Cugler? Yeah. Cugler? Yeah. Um, maybe you know him. Maybe you know each other. Yeah, I think so. A little bit of a backhanded uh, compliment here. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, could you ask John if his declining eyesight <laughs> due to advanced age – wow – impacts his ability to call a game? No, because you're not at glasses yet. I do are you? not have glasses yeah. yet. I don't have glasses. Have you had yet. like vision correction surgery at all nope. to avoid it? No. So you're still locked. locked I am in. blessed with the bishop wow. genes. I now I it's a little harder now are to those, read are, some are, of the real little print in Rob's notes. <laughs> um, you prefer bold bold text, but yeah. no, and and I get to sit courtside, so it's not like I'm sitting up in the boonies somewhere. Yeah, I so I vision, can see the game so just vision. fine. Unlike Kugler, who gets a freaking monitor. Six inches from his does, nose, right? and calls everything that's on the monitor. How pampered! So, yeah, yeah. Does he I, look up during games? No, he probably just watches HD, right? Yeah. Well, he's always on Twitter, finding new ways to, <laughs> to you know, backhand compliment or be snide towards somebody. Right. So, yeah, Kevin, uh, I see just fine. Yeah, vision. I is, can I can read your bad takes just fine. Vision is John's superpower. <laughs> Would you ever, have you ever called hockey before? I have. That is that, the one sport where I'm like, how do these guys do that? Yeah. Gary, Gary is so fast. Gary Sharp is really good at calling hockey. Really? Yeah, he used to call Lincoln Stars. Doesn't that feel like the like would that intimidate you the most if you had to call a hockey game? You know what the sport because of the pace you, and everything. You know what the sport did it? I think because I've been following Creighton for the last seven years. I think yeah, with I the don't. pace, I'd be fine with hockey. Okay. The sport that actually would intimidate me the most is volleyball. Okay. Yeah, I've never, I've never heard of volleyball broadcast before. That would be pretty tough. Yeah. I think I've heard John Baylor a few times. John is very good. He's, he's amazing. He's very good at what he does. And um, so, yeah, that, that, that actually would intimidate me more than – the thing, though, about hockey is – and I don't know how they do it because they are sitting way up in the boonies – is how they're able to follow the puck. I lose the puck that's all the I'm time. Si- when I'm watching when it like gets NBC in the crowd, and I'm like, how are you spitting out these names so quickly? It's like – it's like yeah, it's all, none of these names are easy in the first no. place. 
and they're just like, and they're just flowing with the action. It's like, how but, do you, guys you know, do you've that? done it enough times. Like I was well, ha- well, passing out like halfway through. Like Mamu Kelishvili. Okay, yeah. Once so you, you said it a few times, it just becomes natural. Becomes natural. Yeah. And hopefully, we're not saying his name for a, a long time, but he's probably coming back before the. <laughs> I think Creighton, Creighton will get so. him twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The rest of the league gets him maybe once, maybe none at all. The we'll that, get him twice. The way that works out. Thanks Crazy. a lot. Uh, let's see. Danny Sullivan. His first question is about Denzel, which is what we just talked. About. We'd already talked about him. So his second question is. Um, what do basketball analytics people have to say about the unicycle family that performs at halftime every year? <laughs> what do the analytics people say? Yeah, I don't Here's know. Here's what I say. I am scared every time we've had the unicycle people come here. We had the, the couple that, that did the balancing act on the chairs a few weeks ago. I am scared because we're sitting right here at midcourt, courtside. I am scared that one of these days these people are going to fall in my lap. <laughs> Thank God they have They're large now. They're oh, not like yeah. babies anymore. No, they're big people. They're all like grown-ups. Big people from 25 feet in yeah. the air. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite, I still like Quick Change. Quick Change yeah. is still good. And it's low to the Honestly, ground. Honestly, it blows me away that, like, that, that act exists, the one we saw today. What are they called? I forget what they're called. Um, champions or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Yeah, something. Champions. Uh. Champions for cause or something. I don't. Yeah, you're on the right track. I don't remember. I'm I'm busy at halftime, so all I am. It blows me away that that act exists, and that red panda gets the pub she gets. It's like there are multiple unicycles, basketballs involved. Yeah. It's like, but every time red panda is even in the area code, it's like, it's just like, oh my god, we're in the presence of greatness, and it's like red panda is overrated. I totally agree. Red panda is overrated. Slammed for that all the time, but I'm like, I'd rather watch these guys. I'd rather watch Quick Change. I'd rather watch. Uh, the balancing axe, like that Russian when, archery. When, when the, when that the, chick could when die the tumbling group comes in from what Fargo. Oh right, they're really good. Yeah. I love. Where's my frisbee dogs? I, why I want my frisbee dogs. Why does Lincoln only get the frisbee dogs? Every time we're in for a Nebraska game, they have the frisbee dogs all the time. Frisbee. I love the frisbee dogs. I agree. Of course, you know Lincoln's all into the cloggers. You know the the shim shams. Mm. So that's that that's their gig. But where's yeah. my frisbee dogs? I want to need some frisbee dogs. I, I want frisbee dogs. Or yeah. you know what? I'll just let my I'll just bring Wrigley and she can run around the floor <laughs> and chase stuff and, and chase other yeah. dogs. Okay. What's Wrigley good at catching? Uh, actually, we're good. We we use a tennis ball. Okay. And we've try. I've tried to get her. I'm trying to get her to catch Willie Mays style, like over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I throw a lot of pop flies and get them to bounce, so that she can catch it off the bounce. All right. Does she still leap for it too? Like oh the, yeah, she yeah. will. So she elevate, will. Some elevation yeah, she's involved. about a she's about a forty four percent catcher right now. She she catches about it as well as Mitch Ballack shoots. Okay. So, but we're getting there. Problem is with this weather that we've had, we haven't played fetch in like two weeks. Mm. So I'm I'm worried that she well, might be a out lot of training. It's melting a little bit today, so hopefully yeah. you got maybe before you yeah. guys head out to the to Philly, you'll get a chance to. I'd like to. Yeah. I'd like to knock on wood. For yeah, that. we're good with tennis balls though. We're a tennis ball family. Nice. Um, Shooter U wants to know, knowing what we know now, what do you think the top five of the Big East looks like at the end of the season? I like that question. Um, Seton Hall. So Yeah. Villanova. So you, still feel, you feel like Seton Hall is still the favorite, huh? Oh, yes. Yes. Hmm. Um, Seton Hall, Villanova. In, I'm trying to go in order here. Yeah, yeah. Butler confuses me. Don't they? 
They don't have much punch. They have. They don't have much punch, but they got the best clutch player in the conference. Yep. No offense to Marcus Howard. No offense to um, Miles, Powell. Miles Powell, but but um, old boy from uh, Butler, Kamar uh, Baldwin. Yeah, Kamar Baldwin he is is clutch. Yeah. Um, so that keeps him in a lot of games. Um, am I being too much of a homer? Because Creighton does close with a lot of home games. Yeah, I mean, all this, all these road games are going to pay off at the end when you. They're going to have four of their last six at home. Four of their last six. Five are of their last seven, home. if you look at it like that. Am I too much of a homer if I think CU goes third? I mean, so you put, third them, right you put them ahead of Butler then. So you're moving Butler down because they because of the lack of. I. Lack well, of, lack I mean, of balance they're there. not going to have. They don't have Christian David, nope. so that helps their that hurts their um, depth. Mm-hmm. And I just think at some point. They could be exposed. No, no disrespect. What they did to Creighton in Indianapolis was impressive, and that is that is a locked in team. Yeah. But they, I mean, they're a Kabar, they, they're an they epi- probably should have lost. They're an though. epic second half from Kabar and Baldwin from from losing four, four straight. In a row. Yeah, four in right. A row. If he right. doesn't go off for twenty nine in the second half, they're losing four in a row, and you're wondering. So I, I will say that and. Mm, is Marquette. Marquette, you're just gonna stick with the. I mean, when you have Marcus Howard, it's kind of like a leg up on everything else. That's it left, is, right? and they've got some good length, and and you know, Kobe McEwen had a couple of huge threes. For now, that's where I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I reserve the right to change my mind, but I think that's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, I think you know, Providence is Providence. Georgetown's not going anywhere, and it's, they're not they're not gonna climb. DePaul is falling back. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the five I'm going with. I think at the so for me, I think at the end of the day, I have more faith in Villanova than I do Seton Hall. I just, I, I, I Seton Hall's going to get Mamu back, but when they when they get Mamu back, they're going to have more punch offensively. But I don't think they're going to be. They're well, gonna, I think there's going to be a drop off in what they give up in the other it, end. It'll be fascinating. The thing to that see. I think is really impressive to me about them that I wasn't maybe expecting is Quincy McKnight's development in mm-hmm. terms of being able to run a team and make plays uh, within what they do offensively. And, and he's and a good defender because he yes oh there's no question about that. Um, and then also Romaro Gill's development in terms yeah. of being a threat offensively and not just being a guy who can break the rim. Like, see, I think I think what's going to be interesting is. And this will be a little bit of a challenge for Willard. It's a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. When Mamu does come back, working him back in the lineup, and now are you pulling Gill yeah. off the floor? Right. I mean, Gill. And, or Roden takes fewer shots. And, like, exactly. Yeah, so takes fewer shots. They've, they've gotten into a nice groove here without Mamu Kelishvili, and now you put him back in. And so there might be an adjustment period. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, they'll be good. Listen, I... I mean, the fact that they've come from behind by 10 down on the road to St. John's and to Butler. Right. And they've got an elite shooter, and they've got the rim protection, mm. and they don't even have their second best player. I, I mean, I, I know that there's, and I've had my doubts about Willard, but I think you got to give the man his, some credit. I mean, they have. Well, they've put together here, especially because they, they lost Powell, and it seemed like they were really teetering. Yes. And then they went and beat Maryland. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. I, 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 I have a healthy respect for what 
Kevin Willard has done. And I yeah. think he's being rewarded now with a really good season. So I, I know it's still Villanova, and they get you know the benefit of the doubt because they're Villanova. But I, Seton Hall just has the look. They have the look right now. I think I think they'll be the champs. So I'm going. So I'm going Villanova one because I think they're ceiling in terms of their talent development and the Jay Wright factor. Yeah, I'm giving. I'm giving a lot of credit that's already in the bank for that one. That's fair. Uh, Seton Hall, I feel like they still have to play Nova twice. They still have to play Creighton twice. Uh, they still have to play St. John's one more time. Uh, they still have to play Butler one more time. Like they're, they have to play at Marquette still. That schedule is going to mm-hmm. get like really challenging for it them. It will. And you know they don't look like a team that is built to, you know, have an 18 and 0 or 17 and 1 season. So they're yeah. going to have a stretch here. I think like Butler, where it comes unglued for a minute, and then you're wondering. Where the answers yeah. are coming from, you know what I mean? No, that's fair. Because um, when you look at their non-conference, when they were healthy, you know they still got run off the floor by Rutgers when they had Powell there and healthy. They choked um, the lead in the second half to Oregon. To Oregon, yeah, they lost to. They got run out of the gym against Iowa State when the the game mom got hurt. Like I still have those memories in my mind. Okay. So I'm, I know they're on, I know they're hot right now, but that stuff like. The season ebbs and flows. It They're going to cool off eventually. Like, you hope. You yeah. hope they cool off yeah. in about, what, two weeks? Yeah, right. <laughs> February 12th. If right. you're listening, Seton Hall, cool off, please. Yeah. Uh, Creighton, to me, is the third most talented team in the league. So I think when it, when the you know when the smoke is cleared and everything like that, I think that's where they'll finish. Well, and it's, then I, have, I think it's talent and scheme and effort. Yeah. I think all those things together. There, there's a There's a... There's a combination that we haven't seen. A lot of times Creighton has just overwhelmed you with talent or shooters. Mm-hmm. And now you're mixing in, I think, really good defensive scheme. The scouting's coming together. The attitude's there. And knock on wood, you know, the big three are playing all these minutes. And they're finding ways to contribute in the scoring column. And it doesn't look like they're wearing out. Mm-hmm. Let's hope that stays that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I think, I think this is the best combination of – different factors we've seen out of Creighton. It's not just one thing that's like carrying them over the top. Yeah. Niatawa and I have a working theory and we have a working theory that we started before conference play uh, kicked off was that coaching is going to matter a lot more this year than it has in years past because there's not as much separation. So mm-hmm. scheme and details are going to be really important. I think I at the end of the day Creighton's got that over most. They do. Um, so I think when I'm like trying to figure, figure out a pecking order that's going to end on. I like Villanova one. I like Seton Hall second because of not only coaching but the dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, Creighton, uh, three. Creighton three because of the coaching and the dudes. And then I have uh, Marquette and Butler shaking out in the okay. four or five So spots. we agree on the five. Yeah. They're just a couple of different For sure. order. Yeah, I, I, to your coaching point, DePaul should be better than they are in league right now. Yeah. And – you know, if you want, if, I mean, they've had dudes for a few years. They've had dudes for a few years, but this is their best combination of players yeah, that they've yeah. had. They finally have a really good point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, Reed is an NBA player. Um, Jalen uh, Coleman, Coleman lands is a good shooter. Yep. And Charlie Moore's but, a stud. But here's the problem: they are not disciplined. No, at all. To watch them, especially in, in close games at the end, like to watch them in war- warm-ups tells you all you need to know. One of the things I, that impressed me the most about about Villanova, watch them in warm-ups. It's I mean, purpose. There's there's a purpose. There's, there's like it's like military. There's a meaning to yeah. everything they do. Yes. DePaul last week is you know super casual. Super casual. 
having slam dunk contests, just kind of lollygagging around, laughing. You know, there's there's a difference between being loose and being undisciplined. Mm-hmm. And and when I'm watching DePaul, I'm like, and I even turned to Brody Darren and I said, "Man, it, they, you couldn't have a more night and day differential between two programs and how they." prepare for a game yeah. and conduct themselves in Villanova and DePaul. And there's a reason why one team is at this end and one team is at the other end. Yeah. And and, I mean, and it's too bad because that's a it's, that's a very talented team. No question. And it, and from a physicality standpoint, just like the matchup they problems they present on a nightly basis for yes. both teams like they played tough with Villanova on the road, pushed them in Philly. They smoked Butler. That was never a game. No. That was never a game with Butler. They started that free fall with mm-hmm. them. Um and but but they've also dropped. They've also been swept by St. John's now. Yep. That series is a sweep. Uh, they've lost at home to Providence, at home to Seton Hall, at home to Creighton. That schedule is going to get a lot harder for them. It's going to get a lot harder. They've blown chances to to take that non-conference momentum, all that non-conference momentum they had, and to carry it over into Big East play. They've fallen. That's a, that's in a, a team hole. talented enough right now to be where Creighton is right There's now. There's no the question about it. Yeah. And 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 I think and so. To your point, I think coaching and mm-hmm. just the overall culture in the program is a reason why yeah and that, i think that's going to matter at the end of the day when it shakes out of these, these standings Agreed. so that's a long form answer to your question but that's how we um we feel like the top five will shake mm-hmm. out at the end of the day uh thank you as always to everybody for the questions um before we bounce out of here uh i just want to jump back into the pink out because um you know this day is a day that it's almost weird that they play a basketball game because it doesn't feel like one when you're watching it. Like, there's there's a game going on, but you're also, like, looking around and, you know, the, the, with, the with the pink, the like, the crowd just pops. And then, obviously, all the moments they take throughout the game to, you know, acknowledge the importance of the day. And then, obviously, the under-12 timeout where everybody stands up with the placards and, and who they're standing for um, with uh, Rachel Platten's. Is that her last name? Platten or Patton? I think it's Platten, right? Her song, uh, "This Is My Fight Song." Yeah, um, you know, I'm that not very did, good with modern music, so I'll take you. I'll, I'll just say yes. I'm sorry, <laughs> I think that's right. I think that's for last. Remember, time. I'm antique. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, that's just like it's just a perfect little moment, and it, it, honestly, it never it never feels like if you've seen it once, it still feels like you're seeing you're having the same impact as mm-hmm. the first time you saw it. It just gives you so much time to have perspective and like, you know, there's. Two teams like strategizing how to beat the crap out of each other, but then you're like, just if you just zoom out even a little bit, yeah, you can get a sense of like the community and what it means and everything like that. And it's then just, powerful. and I and I and I'll, I'll start because what it means to me, you know, everybody for all these years has always said like, I never wear pink on Pink Out Day, but people always wonder where my pink is and they they give me crap about it. But every day, um, and I've got millions of these at home. Um, I have a notebook that I bring with me every day to cover Creighton from the minute the women's soccer team reports first in the fall to the minute the baseball team shuts off the lights at the end of the um, or at the beginning of the summer um, at TD Ameritrade. It's with me every day. I bring it more than I bring my laptop, um, but it's a pink notebook and it's got the breast cancer ribbon on it. And um, the, the the connection to it is my mother had breast cancer when. Um, I think I was 10 when she was diagnosed. She did survive, thankfully, um, and is still around today. Uh, but she's my inspiration for 
what I do today, um, writing, uh, the journalism, the Creighton, cause she went to Creighton. Um, every bit of why I'm able to sit at a pink out game, um, where I sit for one, what I do for the other. And, you know, having her around and a survivor of this disease that Creighton has done such a good job of raising awareness to fight, um, is a credit to her. And that's why this day to me will never ever put me in a mood where I have to like be overly critical of a basketball performance or like, it's one of those days where I'm just super appreciative of the things I've been given, um, the fortune I've had and the fact that my mother was able to survive this illness and, and, and catch it on time and do the things she needed to do and fight it and survive and, and raise me to, um, to do what I do now. And, and I never forget it. And I bring with it with me every single day. Literally. It's the one thing I'll have. You'll always see me with it around campus, um, wherever I'm, wherever I'm reporting from. Um, but it's my constant reminder of what she went through and this day amplifies it to a degree that I can't even put into words. Um, but that's what I think about mm-hmm. what was going on. And then John, I know it has, this disease has also been near and dear to your heart as well. Um, not to just jump you into like no no no. I wanted us to I wanted this to be our moment of where sure. we could be pointing about it. The um, it's probably convenient, coincidental that the day I officially accepted this job as the voice of Creighton basketball was the same day my son was diagnosed. Really, July third, two thousand thirteen. Um, Kevin Sarver. Our operation, or you know, our associate athletic director and I met at my radio station, just a normal Friday, and you know, signed the deal, went through the whole deal, blah blah blah, and did my radio show, and just a little past halfway through my show, my phone's going off and my wife's calling, and she told me we're on our way to Children's Hospital they think it could be leukemia and it was mm. and then we spent the next 35 days in the hospital at children's hospital so this day has always been special to me because of that because i you, you every family has gone through cancer to one degree you know mm-hmm. i've had some great uncles and that have had cancer and um but you never think it's going to happen that close to you right and then it Especially does. when it's your son, too. And then it Usually does. it's yes. reversed, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, 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 it takes your breath away. It scares the crap out of you. And so this day means that. And, and then, of course, we lost our friend Steve Pivovar mm-hmm. a couple years ago. They did a... His family did a deal, play catch for Piv. Play catch with Piv. Yep where they painted up a bunch of orange baseballs and it was during, you know, the CWS, his, the last summer he was with us. That baseball comes with me everywhere. It's sitting in my case right now. Mm-hmm. And that ball goes with me everywhere. Piv comes with us everywhere. And I always pull it out for this day or, you know, other special occasions just as a reminder that, you know, we're playing for something bigger than this, and I can't credit this organization, this university enough. 
this is still, even though it's a Big E school and, you know, it's a power conference school, this is still the little school that could, you know. It's a smaller staff. Rob Anderson's only got two other people working for him. You know, there's, you know, you have to do a little bit more. And I think it's so impressive that a lot of big schools who want to do a similar event come here to find out how it's done. Mm-hmm. And they've got far more resources. They got, you know, interns on top of interns, people that can do all the, the little grunt work. And how Creighton puts this together and it goes off like clockwork and the players accept it and go through it and appreciate it. You know, I know there's a lot of cynicism about college athletics and, you know, paying athletes and, you know, the exploitation of athletes. But there is still and there always has been and there always will be an educational component to college athletics, not just going to class this is an educational experience. You're learning that this is bigger than you. And for young people, 18 to 22, who a lot of them think they're indestructible and life is all about them, it's, it's cool to see those same young people step back and understand that what they do inspires others. And and this event helps really bring that message home. So, I, I mean, I can't credit this university enough for what they do. It's, it's a day I look forward to every year, and, and I always will. Well said. Um, as we always end, uh, we'll try not to be too wordy with this because I feel like that was a pretty important way for us to end right there because this day is important. Um, that was pretty redundant right there. I should be better with my words. Um, but we plug our stuff. So whiteandblueReview.com for post-game coverage of Creighton's win over Xavier and looking ahead to Villanova, uh, this podcast, and then, you know, you know what to expect. Uh, John Bishop will be on back in the studio tomorrow, right? Back in the studio this How week. How long has it been since you've been in the studio? Has it been a minute or like? Oh, uh, last Wednesday. No. No. Are you going to put a full week of Monday. Work? Monday was the last time I was in studio because yeah, Tuesday we were on the road, Wednesday we were on the road, right. and then Thursday, Friday we were on remote. So yeah, I'll be back in studio okay. tomorrow through the, through Thursday, but your, Friday we travel. Remember your code to get in the building? Like I got a, one of them card yeah. things. Hopefully that, it still works. Yeah, yeah. problem. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, sixteen twenty the zone. Back in the studio tomorrow with Josh Peterson, two to six, and um, and then back on the road. It'd be nice to have a midweek off. Right. Be very nice to have a midweek off before we go on another five day road trip. <laughs> and have to. This will be the first the, stupid trivia question. This will be the first Super Bowl I will ever watch away from home. Really? Every time I've watched Super Bowl, I've, it's been. It feels like it, they're here a lot when it's going yeah, down. Yeah. yeah. This yeah, is yeah. the first time we'll be on the road. It'll be kind of fun to watch with. Christian and Jet and Mitch and Al Hus as all the Chiefs beat their Chiefs. Yeah, 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 watching all the Chiefs fans. It'll be kind of fun. But yeah, this will be my first Super Bowl out of the state of Nebraska gotcha. ever. Well, I hope you enjoy it, sir. I will. Um, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And Thank you. For Thank our, you for having for our, me. our brand new father, Mr. Niantawa. Um, as always, thanks everybody for your questions, for your comments, uh, for always following and uh, for listening. Um, and the next time we will talk to you. In some form or another, will be February eighth after Creighton plays, you know, returns home to Omaha and uh, plays the St. John's Red Storm. So until then, I hope everybody has um, a great rest of your weekend and a great week. Um, thanks for listening. Let's talk to you later.